I don't know if we'll have any other stragglers, but um, maybe we can wait a minute or two and then close the door. I think the volunteers there might be cleaning up, so it could be noisy. But uh, thanks for coming to our breakout on overcoming spiritual apathy. Um, as Brad mentioned earlier, we do have um, notes in the app. If you want to follow along, um, you can take notes there, and there's a place where you can email them to yourself afterwards if that's helpful. Um, we are recording um, our breakouts too, and um, so if there's other breakouts you wanted to go to tonight, hopefully within a week or two, we'll have those um, uploaded online so you can listen to them or check out their notes, check out um, their slides. But yeah, thanks for coming to this breakout. I want to jump right in and uh, start with a verse, uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 8, Paul writes, let the one who leads do so with zeal. Um, So this is in Romans chapter 12. Uh, Paul had just finished 11 monumental chapters um, in Romans, laying the foundation for our faith in Christ. Uh, He had expounded on the depth of our sinfulness and yet the hope of our justification in Christ. Uh, He had shared with the church in Rome how God had made himself known not just to the Jews, but to all people. Uh, He shared how we are, that sin no longer has dominion over us, that we are no longer slaves to sin, uh, but that we now have brand new life in the spirit. And so when he gets to chapter 12, he shares that how we as followers of Jesus, people who have been changed by the gospel, we are to serve him. And as we're to serve him, like people in the hall, (laughs) we are to serve him with zeal. So uh, let the one who leads, that's us, we're group leaders, let us lead with zeal. He goes on in verse 11 to say, do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. So, so when God changes us, when we're changed by God's spirit, when God awakens our hearts to our sin and the beauty of the gospel, when we are transformed, then, then we can be at a, a full place spiritually. And when we are spiritually vibrant, uh, we can serve God. And as we serve God, we can lead with zeal. And, and so maybe you'd say, you know, that's where I, I started spiritually but the reason why I signed up for this breakout is that that's no longer where I am. Uh, or maybe you'd say you, you fear that your heart is drifting from zealous to calloused. Uh, you'd say, you know, I want to serve God out of a full heart, but my heart is not there. And so we got one goal for our time together tonight. And it's that we would move from spiritual apathy to zeal for Christ. Um, a zeal to, to know Christ and a zeal to make him known. I want to share a little bit of my story. I already shared a little bit um, in our large group time about in high school, diving into God's word and God awakening my faith. I remember at that time in my life, my parents had bought a bunch of biographies of great Christian leaders. And I remember reading the biography of Jim Elliott. He was a a missionary pilot. He um, went down to Ecuador to share the gospel with a tribe down there. And him and four other men, they were martyred. Uh, when trying to share the gospel. I was inspired by his example. I was inspired by reading his journals. I also read the, the biography of the great evangelist D.L. Moody. Um, and I remember reading his biography. He made a statement. He said, The world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him. Um, and I remember reading that and thinking, Man, I want that to be the direction of my life. I want uh, God to use me. And so I decided, Hey, I think uh, I want to serve God in full-time ministry. So I headed off to a a Bible college, and I didn't know where God was going to use me, but I just wanted God to use me in some capacity. And 
At the Bible college that I went to, uh, we had 7 a.m. classes every single day of the week, Monday through Friday. So, I mean, that's an early time to get up. Um, but at that time in my life, you know, I really wanted to know Christ, to follow him. And I knew if I, if I wanted to spend time with God uh, in the morning, then I was going to have to get up early. So I got up at 5.30 every day. I knew that um, it took me about 20 minutes to get ready. And that left me about 40 minutes to spend time reading the Bible and praying. And then it left me about 30 minutes to go grab uh, breakfast in the, the cafeteria and get to my class a few minutes early. At that time in my life, I remember being very zealous to to share my faith with other people. And I worked a warehouse job in college. Um, and in that warehouse job, I'd have about 15 minutes, um, a 15 minute break. And so I remember it was probably really awkward, but just trying to get to know my coworkers in that short 15 minutes and trying to drip the gospel in, in those conversations. But, but I was zealous. I wanted people to know about Christ. And I headed off from Bible college to seminary. Um, at that time in my life, uh, God was confronting sinful patterns in my life. Um, he was rooting out sin. He was changing my heart. Uh, and, and life was very full at that time. I, I was working for the seminary I went to uh, full-time, doing admissions for them. Uh, I helped uh, plant a church, and I was taking multiple classes at a time. And, and so one of the things my friend had taught me is that if you take a 3 by 5 card and you write out your schedule for the next day, you can plan how you want to spend every single minute of the day. And so I would do that the night before, and I would try to get up two hours before I had to be anywhere to spend time reading my Bible, time praying, time reading uh, books or memorizing scripture. It was at that time I took a class on spiritual growth in seminary, and they taught us a method for memorizing scripture. And I remember at one point I had this stack of like a hundred uh, three by five cards with scripture all over them. And so I regularly, you know, remember them, reflect on them, recite them, memorize them. Um, At the same time, uh, there was a guy who showed up to my church that I was going to, and he came down to Scranton where I was going to school, and he said, I'm going to start a rescue mission here. And so we were playing softball one night. He said, hey, why don't you come down with me to the street tomorrow night? We're going to preach the gospel, and we're going to feed people. And so, okay, okay, I'll go down with you. And so he preached, we fed people, and then he said, tomorrow night, Jason's going to preach. Come back. And I'm like, oh, great, I get to do that. And so I remember going to, down the next night and uh, delivering a message. And uh, I spent a few years there helping him get that ministry started to get the rescue mission off the ground and open up a residential program there. Uh, from seminary, I headed off to Northridge. I came here and joined the staff in 2009. Um, our church was a lot smaller then. Uh, but God was moving. We were actually meeting in what is now our lobby. That was our main auditorium. But shortly after that, we expanded into the auditorium right here. And God continued to grow. God continued to, to bless our church. And a few years after that, um, I was invited to partner with Nate Miller to go out to the movie theater in Greece. Some of you guys were there. And when we launched in 2012, um, it was at that time that I met my, my now wife. We had these home meetings we were going to. So guys were there. Some of you guys were there. And so I met her. Uh, we got married. And so our church was growing. My family was growing. But my faith has not always grown. Uh, it is, it's a dangerous thing to become a professional Christian. And, and there's been times when I've been a full-time pastor, but a part-time follower of Jesus. Uh, I think if we're not careful, we can get so busy serving God um, that we... Uh, miss our relationship with God, that we fail to be with God. 
Uh, not only that, we can begin to base our spiritual condition on what we're doing for God instead of our relationship with God. And then I think when we look up, we can realize that we're serving God because we're supposed to, not because we want to. Uh, that we're going to church, that we're leading a group because that's what good Christians do, not because we want to know Christ or want to make him known. Uh, but, but sharing my story so far, um, the way I've shared it isn't completely accurate. Um, if I was to, to carefully look at every decade and year and month and week of my life, um, there's been many seasons of spiritual dryness or apathy along the way. Um, it's not always been up and to the right. It's not uh, always been just a continuing spiritual intimacy. Um, my walk with God has not been just this just ever-increasing bliss and overflowing joy. Um, there, there definitely have been moments uh, in my faith where it's felt very alive. There have been moments where uh, I've felt joy uh, when I sing songs about the cross. There's been excitement to share my faith with others, whether that's a believer or an unbeliever. There's been an eagerness to, to help out others when there's a need. Uh, there's been a, a big desire to just be with other believers, whether that's on Sunday morning or in group or just any chance I got. There's been a hunger to, to learn more about God, to read his word, to memorize his word, to study it. Uh, the weight of my sin uh, has elevated my understanding and joy of God's forgiveness. Um, I've had moments of peace and rest and I've had feelings of closeness and intimacy, nearness to God. And yet I would say at the same time, there's been weeks or months, and I'd say at even times years, where my faith has felt apathetic. Where instead of feeling spiritual zeal, I have felt really any lack of desire to read my Bible or to pray. Um, I felt unaffected or unmoved when singing amazing songs about the greatness of God's love. There's been times when someone shares a story of, of someone placing their faith in Christ, or I watch a story of life change and I just feel indifferent to it. Um, there's been times where instead of um, feeling fullness, I feel emptiness when I'm thinking about God, which that just doesn't make sense. There's been times where I've been frustrated or I've been weary when someone says, hey, would you help out with this? There's been times where I've been comfortable with sinful habits and desires and there's even been times in my life where I have questioned my faith altogether. God, is this real? God, are you there? God, have you withheld yourself from me or have I withdrawn myself from you? And maybe you'd say, you know, I've been there too. Maybe you'd say, you know, that's where I am right now. And so we need to ask the question, what is it that's happening in our hearts that draws us away from Christ? That in order for us to overcome spiritual apathy... Uh, we need to identify the cause. I think I've missed some of my slides here. but um, So uh, there, there's many causes to spiritual apathy. Uh, tonight I want to share a, a few, and this is not an exhaustive list. I'm sure we could add to this. But really until we identify the problem, then we're not going to see change. And so I want to share with you tonight four causes of spiritual apathy. And the first one is unconfessed sin. So you've probably heard the statement, you know, uh, this book will keep you from sin or, this, or, the, or your sin will keep you from this book. You know, talking about the scriptures. Um, in our context tonight, talking about pursuing Christ, we could say pursuing Christ will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from pursuing Christ. To say it this way, when we love our sin more than we love Christ, uh, then we lose intimacy with Christ. And the, the author of Hebrews, he writes about this in Hebrews 3.12. He says, see to it. 
brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart. Why? Because that turns you away from the living God. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 66, 18. He said, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So I encourage you to ask yourself this question. Do you find yourself avoiding moments with God? Do you find yourself avoiding scripture or prayer or singing or solitude? Because when you do, you find that God is pricking your heart when you draw close to him. King David, he knew what it was like to have an intimate and near relationship with God. He had walked closely with God. And for the last 3,000 years, Christians and Jews, we have, we have memorized, we have quoted, we have sang the lyrics of his songs about his intimacy with God. And yet it was David's own sin that drew him away from God. And when David was confronted about his sin, after he confessed, after he confessed his sin, he did not want to go back to that place where he was absent of God's presence. And so he wrote in Psalm 51, he said, Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. So, so David, to ensure that he wouldn't go back to uh, that place uh, where he was far from God, he wrote, I think, one of the scariest prayers that we can pray. And this is a prayer that I, myself, I have a very difficult time praying. He says in Psalm 139, he says, Search me, God, know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So if you find yourself drifting from Christ, uh, unconfessing, it might be the cause, and this prayer might be the cure. And in, in my experience, it doesn't take long. Uh, sometimes it's before I even get these words out of my mouth that God begins to point out my sin. But what I'd want to encourage you to do is don't just memorize this verse or pray this prayer, get the words out of your mouth and then quickly move in, move on. But I would say pray this prayer and then just sit in silence. And it's going to be uncomfortable uh, but as you listen, as you let God search you, he's going to begin to show you where you need to change. So, so that it might be one, uh, one cause that leads us to spiritual apathy. A second one is broken relationships. I find that it's often in those moments of silence when I'm, when I'm drawing near to God, when I'm asking him to reveal my sin, that he shows me my sin. And that sin is usually in relationship with someone that I know and that I love. Um, I'll think back about conversations I had with my wife the night before or with my kids or with a close friend, and I think, like, man, did I really say that? Did I really do that? I think it's often the people that we are closest to that we hurt the most. And when we sin against others, it has an impact on our relationship with God. And Jesus talks about this in his Sermon on the Mount. We just finished an 11-week series on the Sermon on the Mount. And in chapter 5, he says, If you are offering your gift at the altar and they remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So Jesus is saying here, he says, Don't come to me uh, if you're not right with your brother. 
that if you've hurt someone, you've got to address it. You can't let it hang. You can't ignore it. If you want to serve me, it starts with your relationship with others. And John, Jesus' closest friend, he said that you can't love God if you don't love people. He says in 1 John 4, he says, "Forever who, For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. So think about your relationships. How are they going? A relationship with your roommate or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, your parents, your spouse, your kids, your coworkers. Are there any unresolved tensions? Do you find yourself holding on to your pride instead of owning your part of the conflict? I think if we are struggling with spiritual apathy, the point is pretty clear that there is a direct link between our relationship with people and our relationship with God. So, so these are two causes of spiritual apathy that can draw us away from God. And another one that I think can draw us away from God is broken cisterns. And you might think, oh, what is a broken cistern? Uh, Jeremiah talks about that in Jeremiah 2.13. But before we read that passage, I want to give you a quick uh, video that gives a little context for what a broken cistern is. Take a look at this. Well, we're deep down in a cistern way below the walls of Jerusalem. You can see it's still got water in it. This is the sort of cistern that the prophet Jeremiah may well have been dropped down into for saying things, prophecies that didn't go down well as Jerusalem was about to be overrun and taken into exile. The people didn't want to hear that, but that was the word of the Lord. You can just see the opening there, the sort of opening he may have been dropped down into. Probably made a bit of a splash, as did his prophecies. And they turned out to be true. Exile came to this city of Jerusalem as the Babylonians sacked the city through Nebuchadnezzar in around 586 BC. Okay, so that's a little context on what a broken cistern is. So when we get to Jeremiah 2.13, he says... My people have committed two sins, and they have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So what is he saying here? What is it that causes spiritual apathy? What is it that keeps us from pursuing Christ? Well, I think what he's saying here, what keeps us from pursuing Christ is that we pursue everything else but Christ. I overheard a conversation recently where someone said they think it's maybe harder to be a Christian in America than to be a Christian in a land of persecution. That, that when all you have is Christ, you realize that Christ is all you need. But when you have everything you want, then it's so easy to forget that you need Christ. Uh, in Proverbs, it says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? So, so what is it? What are the things that we are pursuing instead of Christ? And I wrote down a list of things that I could share with you, but instead of me sharing with you that list, I thought we could brainstorm together. So I've got a question here, and I'd love to hear feedback from you. What are the broken cisterns we run to? What do we pursue for pleasure and fulfillment instead of Christ? So I'll open it up. How would you answer this question? Some sort of entertainment. Mm-hmm. 
What kinds of entertainment? Our phones. Our phone? Netflix, yeah. Could be one and the same, yeah. Other people. Other people. Friends, yeah. relationships. Yeah. Jobs. Jobs, yeah. Our own plans. Mm -hmm. Career ambitions. Work, yeah. Work, yeah. Achievement. Anything else? What do we pursue? Comfortability. Yeah. yeah. Security, safety. Mm -hmm. Food, drink, drugs. What's that? Food, drink, drugs. Yeah. yeah. I feel like comfortability, it's so easy. I feel like that's a death knell to our spirituality, just getting comfort, comfortable. Anything else? What do we pursue for pleasure or fulfillment instead of Christ? Retirement. Mm. Grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Money. Yeah. Anything else? Significant. Significant, okay. I'm going to be someone. For me, it could be the Seahawks. <laughs> yeah. Not this year, not for me too much about that. <laughs> you're free. So, sometimes it's good to have a bad team, you know. What's that? It's less stressful if have a bad team. You don't have to worry about it. Yes, it doesn't matter what happens. Anything else you'd add to this list? All right, so yeah, I wrote down a lot of the things you said, you know, television, Netflix. Um, news, you just always got to keep up with what's happening, you know, could be food, could be personal achievement, shopping, you know, Amazon.com, uh, social media, um, could be our smartphones. Uh, a second question I wanted to write down is not just what do we pursue for pleasure, but how is that going for us? So uh, what are the consequences of pursuing those things instead of Christ? So, yeah, what, what do you think? Wake up in the morning? Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's just temporary fulfillment, so you have to keep going back. Mm -hmm. to do it all over again, so it doesn't last. Broken cistern, yeah. It's like, it's like eating junk food. At first you say, oh, this, is, this, this isn't having any effect, and then <laughs> I feel like when COVID hit, I, like, I love Cheeto Puffs. I remember like I got on the Cheeto Puff kick. You know, I'd sit, sit up late at night watching TV, and then I'd eat a bunch of Cheeto Puffs. And then like you just don't don't stop soon enough. And then I'm like, five minutes after I'm done eating, I'm like, oh, why did I eat so many Cheeto Puffs? <laughs> There's consequences. <laughs> What else? What are the consequences of pursuing those things instead of Christ? We're like less satisfied, and yet we feel like we have less time to pursue Christ. So like, we're more busy with stuff that's leaving us more drained and tired, and because we don't have less time, we don't pursue Christ, which would fulfill us. I feel like your heart gets hard. It's harder. Yeah, every show, like, there's a cliffhanger. You get there, and you're like, ah, oh, mm -hmm. just one more. Then the show's over, and they're like, three new shows. you got to check this one out. Mm -hmm. 
anything else, consequences of pursuing those things instead of Christ? We miss out on the best that he has for us. Mm-hmm. Oops. You feel empty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't give us what we're looking for ultimately, right? Maybe for a moment. Well, I wrote down a, a few things, and it's a lot of what we already talked about. You know, I think pursuing all those things for pleasure can end up leading us to be very self-focused. So we're always looking at filling ourselves up or how other people can serve us instead of focusing on other people. Um, I think another consequence is that it just increases our anxiety. So, um, you know, we can't keep up with the news. We can't keep up with the bottom of our news feed. We can't keep up uh, with all of our friends. We can't keep up with work. Um, you know, we're never satisfied with what we have. Uh, another consequence is poor health. So, you know, maybe we don't get enough sleep. We stay up too late. We're scrolling on our phones. We're watching another television show. Or we eat whatever we want or as much as we want um, until our bodies start yelling at us or our doctor starts yelling at us that, that that's not a good thing. And I think overeating, uh, eating poorly, losing sleep, neglecting rest, uh, all those things can impact not just our spiritual desire but our, our desires in general we just kind of exist you know kind of just a bloated person and, and lacking any desire at all let alone a desire for christ um, another thing is i think that we become distracted i was looking up our phone usage and the average person uh, looks at their phone 334 times a day so that's once every four minutes and so we wonder, why, why is it so hard to read a portion of Scripture without getting my mind distracted or, or to pray or to uh, listen to a sermon without my mind wandering? Uh, I think our, our life gets so crowded with noise that, that it's hard for us to hear God. Um, we miss God on the pages of Scripture because we're not reading Scripture. Uh, we don't see God in creation because we're looking at our phones or we've got earbuds in our ear listening to a podcast or the news or music and so we can't hear God that we're just constantly being dinged by another notification. Um, so what is it that causes our hearts to grow apathetic? Um, well I think like the first thing it could be unconfessed sin, it might be broken relationships, um, it could be false idols that we are looking to for pleasure or it might be something else. And so the question is well how do we dig out? What can we do? How do we actually overcome spiritual apathy? And I think there's a lot of, of things that we can do. Um, we can confess our sin, like we talked about, and we should. Uh, we can mend those break, broken relationships. We can spend time in God's word. We can spend time in prayer. We can fast. And I talked a little bit about that in my sermon this morning, where we, or this, this summer, where we can deny ourselves of things that we're pursuing for pleasure instead of God. Uh, we can share our faith. Uh, we can spend more time with other believers, and I mean, you guys are good at that. You're, you're group leaders. You're, you're creating community. Um, we can sing songs of worship. We can get in nature. We can get more sleep. We can eat better. We can limit technology. There's a lot of good things that we can do, and I think if we want to overcome spiritual apathy, we, we need to first identify the problem um, and then address those problems. But, but here's what I know. You already know all the things that I've already talked about tonight. Uh, maybe you've, you've done a lot of those things that I've just listed. And so here's the question. Why can't we dig out of the hole? Um, it's one thing to know what to do. 
but it's another thing to do it. So how do we pursue Christ when we don't want to pursue Christ? And ultimately, the answer is that we can't, but with Christ, we can. And if I had to boil it down to one thing that is the greatest cause of spiritual apathy, to one thing that encompasses all of them, it would be this. Uh, the, the greatest cause of spiritual apathy is unbelief. It's an unbelief that God is better than our sin. It's an unbelief that God's plans are better than our own. It's an unbelief that God is good when life is not. It's unbelief that God is all we need. Uh, We don't pursue Christ because we don't believe that Christ is better. But, But here's the question. Well, how do I come to actually believe that? So as I've struggled with spiritual apathy in my own life, as I've gone through seasons of spiritual drought and feeling far from God, One of the most helpful books I found for me uh, to rekindle my love for God, to seek him and and, uh, grow closer to him is a book called When I Don't Desire God, How to Fight for Joy. It's a book written by John Piper. And and in that book, he uh, shares one simple prayer that we can pray when we are struggling to pursue Christ. Uh, It's a prayer that recognizes that that we are not going to move unless God moves. And so how do we get out of the bed when it comes to our spiritual desire? Uh, Well, it starts by asking God's help to awaken us to that desire. And so that's what this prayer does. Um, John uses an acronym, um, I-O-U-S, to help remember this prayer. And so I want to share with you what that stands for. So I stands for incline my heart to your testimonies. This is based on Psalm 119.36. This is a recognition that in the morning when I get up, I want to check my phone first. I don't want to look in my Bible. I don't want to pray. And so it's a prayer to say, God, give me a desire to read your word. I don't desire to read it. Give me a desire to meditate on it, to hear from you. The O stands for open my eyes so I can see wonderful things out of your law. Based on Psalm 119.18. And this is a prayer that we don't just get through our Bible reading plan. That we don't just hear truths from Scripture. That we don't just check it off the list. That we don't just hear words and learn new facts. But that God awakens our hearts to see Him in His book. The U stands for unite my heart to fear your name. Based on Psalm 86.11, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. And, And this is a prayer that God would give us one singular passion. That my whole life would be aimed at knowing God, at following him. That our hearts would be united in seeking him, to fear him, to be in awe of him. And then the S stands for satisfy me in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. And this is a prayer to battle that unbelief. To say, God, I'm not satisfied in you. God, I don't believe that you are better than everything else. God, I'm pulled away by so many other competing desires. And God, unless you help me to desire you above all else, then I'm not going to be able to follow you. Uh, in, In the late 1800s, there was a man named George Mueller, Uh, He was a great evangelist. He was an orphanage director, and he was known for his devotion to prayer. And in his journal, he wrote this. He said, I saw more clearly than ever that the first and great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. 
Augustine, one of the, the most influential Christians that's ever lived, theologians that's ever lived in the history of the church, he wrote a book called Confessions in the year 400. And he wrote, in that book, he wrote this famous quote. He said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. The reality is that we will never overcome our spiritual apathy until our hearts are satisfied in God. And our hearts are not going to be satisfied in God unless he is the one who awakens our hearts to desire him above all else. And so as we seek to overcome spiritual apathy, um, I think it starts with us identifying some of the root causes and then fighting to see God as all-satisfying. And so as we leave, I want to encourage us to pray this prayer, uh, to, to seek him, because on our own, uh, we cannot pursue Christ, but, but with him we can. Um, so this prayer, I-O-U-S, has been one tool that I have found helpful for me uh, in my own lack of desire for Christ and my own pursuing Christ. Uh, it's a great prayer to start off every morning as I get up. And, and it's one tool that I've used uh, in my own uh, desire to, to know Christ and to pursue him better. Uh, but that's just my own experience. Um, I've still got a lot of growing to do. I've got a lot to learn. And so in, in our final few minutes here together, I, I would love to hear what you have learned. And so I've got a question um, on the screen here that I'd love to discuss before we head out today. But what have you found most helpful to rekindle your love for God and to help you to pursue Christ? things can happen in group for what Lisa talked about what you talked about Kim yeah I mean hopefully those growth goals you know it's a great great way to, to do that getting into uh, the quiet place we can like quiet the external and quiet the internal and eventually see when everything settles where you actually feel like you are with God mm-hmm. it can be really hard to find yeah. you know when, when in my schedule do I find time for that you know work or Busyness or kids or yeah. Anybody else? What have you found most helpful? Being around other people who are excited and who have that rekindled love or serving mm-hmm. together for um handful of us through it. MIM doing some serving during the yeah. camp, but just to see the 
that enthusiasm and the leaders and the youth and the CMU, um, just being a kind of observing that, um, that just awakens and rekindles that, like, this is the reason, this is the why. It's mm-hmm. good. I think I, like, feel a lot of shame in those moments, and that keeps me from wanting to, like, draw closer to work because I feel shameful that I've been distant. Mm-hmm. So, like, acknowledging that and knowing that I'm putting that shame on myself, that, like, mm-hmm. that's not coming from God. Yeah. So, like, he, he yeah. isn't, like, pushing me away. I'm the one yeah. that should be. Yeah. I don't know, just the shame, I think, is something yeah. that keeps you. So recognizing that and fighting through it. Found myself when Drew was preaching this morning from Matthew nine, um, just about Jesus hanging out with sinners. I was like, you know, where the sermon was about like focusing on other people who are sinners coming into our church, but I was like, I'm a sinner, you know. And I was like, man, it is like, I need that like the fact that Jesus loves me in spite of my sin. I'm like, man, I, don't know, I feel like Paul. He's called himself the chief of sinners, <laughs> and that's how I feel. going outside, especially when I'm stressed out with stuff and apathetic just because of everything that's going on in life, going outside just for a short walk, even in the neighborhood, seeing the trees and the birds and seeing all the stuff that was here before I was here and will be here after I'm gone. And God cares about this stuff. And so why am I so stressed out? Mm-hmm. I was thinking at our table, we were having a discussion, you know, in the end of the large group discussion and I feel like everybody talked about their moment of like nearness or full, you know, um, feeling the most full spiritually was like a moment of deep pain. <laughs> and I'm like, man, that, that's so true. And I feel like often we try to avoid pain because it's not comfortable, but it's often in our brokenness and, and our broken situations that we find that Christ is most near. And also to like doing something different that you maybe like a Bible study Yeah. <laughs> We're going to do adult summer camp. Yeah, next summer, I'll get it on the plate. <laughs> to add her on next, just, can we just put the kids on the church building? <laughs> I think we just yeah. came up with a new idea. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Final thoughts? Um, I would say the same. Um, I have the IOUS, IOUS prayer also in my Bible that I think they're like, you know, maybe like seven years ago. And um, I had been praying it every day, and then I got, I like started using a different Bible or something, and it wasn't, and I didn't use it for the longest time. And I just recently like rediscovered it, and um, it's amazing, and it's hard to pray it. It's humbling, like, because so it's like I had been reading my Bible without praying first, and then that like realization, like, that I need God even to show Himself to me through my word. I, I'm not in control mm-hmm. of my relationship with Christ. It's, it's just so humbling, and being forced to humble yourself before yeah. God even because you think you're smart enough to read the Bible and yeah. hear from God on your own you know yeah. what I mean so yeah. um, I really like Psalm 90 14 where it says satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love because like it's really hard I've been trying really recently to like first thing I do just read the Bible like right when I wake up and it's so hard because like I, you, you just want to pick up your phone and just like 
what must is just like like every morning it's like the hardest thing. You wouldn't think it'd be that hard, but like so I really like that verse, and I never had it highlighted in my Bible, so I just like yeah. It's hard to get up, for one. <laughs> Let alone then look for the Bible first instead of look at your phone. Because right, you don't really have to get up to look at your phone. Yeah. You can just pick it up and just... Yeah. If only our Bibles had an alarm in them. <laughs> I once, uh, I think it was Francis Chan, who said he won't eat until he's read his Bible. Like, it's just, that's the only thing that, like, I finally worked for him. That, like, wow. he does not allow himself to eat anything until he's read his Bible. So it could be, like, at noon or whatever. He can't have his first meal for that. That's good. If we so consistently describe our growth in our love for God happening in the midst of pain or difficulty, I might argue that some kind of sacrifice, like engaging, stretching ourselves, serving the least of these, connecting with people we wouldn't otherwise connect with, just stretching beyond whatever boundaries we've set in our own lives where we're always in pursuit of comfort, we stretch, might be like a muscle that gets stronger over time. Mm-hmm. And the pain that we experience intentionally on behalf of God for others, maybe that would, you know, maybe that would yeah. be honest with that. I know it does for me. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing, guys. I appreciate the feedback. Um, I think we can all benefit from each other's experience. And I hope as we jump into our groups here um, that God would enable us by his power to pursue him more um, to find intimacy with them and then um, God would allow us to overflow that in our group members lives so I'm going to pray um, and then you can head out to the lobby to grab some ice cream or grab your kids first so they can get their ice cream but yeah let me pray and then we'll wrap up God we need you uh, God we don't desire you without your help um, We know you've given us your Holy Spirit that that dwells in our hearts. It convicts us of sin. It points us where we need to change. And I pray that we would listen, that we would obey, um, and that as we uh, see our brokenness, God, uh, we would be amazed at you, Jesus. Uh, You love sinners and you love us. Uh, Draw us near to you, your presence, I pray, uh, tonight, this week, and the days going forward. And I pray that you'd use us uh, this year as we connect with the people you put in our lives. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, guys, thanks for coming. Have a great night. Thanks, Ryan.